it looks pretty for a day or two, and then you're like, okay, it can go bye-bye. And all the cold, I mean, I don't think any of us were expecting what we got, were we? We had, what, four or five inches here, Lucas, and then what, y'all had about eight inches, something like that? Eight or nine, wow. Man. So, well, we we survived it and made it through. Glad everybody's came back to church tonight. Those of you that are not here, we hope that you're able to make it back Sunday morning. We got people that are sick. We got people that are having issues or whatever the case that we need to be praying for, that God will touch people, that he'll deal with people, that he'll do what needs to be done. We're going to take up the offering tonight. And uh, thank you. Good to see everybody. Hope you come to have church. Hope you come to hear the word. Amen. Don't let anything distract you. Let the Holy Spirit have his way and let him touch you. We're going to uh, pray and take up the offering as uh, we get ready to go on into the teaching tonight. And for those watching on the internet, you'll see a link on the screen. If you'd like to donate to help us to do what God has called us to do, you can go online. And so we want to say thank you to those that help. Lord, we come to you in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, tonight for the power of your spirit. Lord, we thank you for the blood of Jesus. And, Lord, we ask, God, right now that you would move tonight, Lord, that you would touch us tonight. God, that you would move every hindrance, move every distraction, Lord, that you would help us to come, Lord, with an open heart tonight, to come to learn, to come to hear, to come to understand. And, Lord, we ask you to have your way Lord, we pray for those that are sick, wherever they are, whoever they are, that you would touch them, God, that you would heal them in the name of Jesus, Lord. Have your way in this service tonight. Amen and amen. If you have an offering tonight, I know you, some of you haven't been able to give. The one, Whoever wasn't here last Wednesday night, you didn't get to give. So tonight, you get to give something to the Lord. So good to see everybody again. Thank the Lord for protecting everybody. In the midst of everything that's gone on, and we just pray that people, that uh, others, whatever issues that they're having, that they will, well, they're not snowed in anymore, I don't think. So we hope that uh, they'll make it back to church Sunday. I know there is still a lot of snow on some areas of roads and stuff, So, but uh, by tomorrow we think it will be gone, I would hope. Well, you can be seated or whatever, and we're going to get into the Word tonight. Going back to Colossians Chapter 3, uh, y'all weren't here last Wednesday night, so we had a little private live stream, so to speak, I guess, to uh, teach the words. How many did y'all get to watch last Wednesday night? Yeah, good. You had church with us, didn't you? Amen. That's good. So you didn't, you didn't miss the beginning of Colossians chapter 3. Amen. For those of you that didn't watch, shame on you. You missed it. Uh, you might, I might backtrack tonight a little bit and catch you up. <laughs> but amen. Colossians chapter 3. I'm going to start back reading this verse 1 again. And if you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sits on the right hand of God. Set your affection, your affection on things above and not on things on the earth. For you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall you also appear with him in glory. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, 
evil concupiscence and covetousness, which is idolatry, for which things sake the wrath of God comes on the children of disobedience, in the which you also walked sometime when you lived in them. But now you also put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds. I, I was listening, I caught some of uh, Miss Francis' program yesterday coming back from town, and some people, were, a lady had called in the station, called in there to argue, I guess, the, um, about the doctrine of unconditional eternal security. I just happened to catch it. I wasn't listening to all of it. And I was, so I started listening, and this woman was just going on and on and on um, to try to prove that you, can, you can't lose your salvation. You can't miss out on eternal life. Or, and if you, you know, if you're doing things or whatever you shouldn't be doing, you, well, you never were saved to begin with. And all the preachers was trying, they were trying to tell her what the Bible says. They were giving her scriptures, but she wouldn't even listen. She would shut them down. And she kept referring to the book of John. Well, I, I believe the book of John. I believe the book of John. And they would bring out different, uh, different, uh, scriptures from Gal- the book of Galatians. Um, some of the things that Donnie said and others and, and about the, 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 the parable of the sower, which is a warning to those uh, that start out. And, and if they allow things to get in the way, you know, the cares of the world, riches, uh, uh, whatever, and the word can be choked out, you can become unfruitful, you can lose your way. And she said, well, I don't listen to that. I don't believe that. That's not doctrine. I don't, that's just a parable. Those are just parables. I thought, are you crazy? In other words, she was saying, that ain't the word of God, and it's not doctrine. It is. Matter of fact, those parables are warnings. The five wise virgins and the five foolish virgins. The five wise kept their lamps trimmed and lights burning. The five foolish had no oil in their lamps. And when the bridegroom came to get the virgins, only five were ready. And the other five shows up and says, we, we, we give us your oil. They said, no, sorry, you you got to get your own. And, you know, if you go through the Bible, the Bible doesn't teach unconditional eternal security. It does not teach. As a matter of fact, it contradicts it. It teaches against it. And so I was, as I was thinking about, you know, this tonight, as I was reading this morning, studying this, th- th- what the whole reason that Paul wrote the things that he wrote here in Colossians was to correct false teaching and to warn these Christians of, you know, of, of embracing a false way because a false way, listen, can lead you back to a sinful lifestyle. That's what it can do. And there's many things that are named here. That Paul, he names these sins, particular sins that, that you and I, we need to be careful that we don't allow ourselves to be... <laughs> if you get away from Jesus Christ, sin begins to rule you. The flesh, sin begins to dominate you. And, and if, it, if it doesn't matter, if once you're saved, you're just always saved, then why the warnings? 
I made a statement the other day, and I, I don't know where it, it must come from the Lord, Sunday. The devil knows that the doctrine of unconditional eternal security is not true. Because he's, that's why he's always trying to take people, lead them astray. He knows it's not true. And I didn't, I didn't know where that came from. I knew it had to be the Lord. It came out of my mouth Sunday. I went back and I kept thinking about what I said. I thought, whoo, that's really good. I didn't plan that. I didn't know that I was even going to say that. It just came. But it's a truth. And Satan is a deceiver. And if he can use any anything, just like the lady that called yesterday, I'm not saying she's of the devil or anything. She sounds sincere like she truly had been born again, but her theology is messed up. Her doctrine is wrong. And Miss Francis told her at the end, said, I, I'm, I'm warning you, you, be, you better rethink what you're hearing. And these ministers have given you the word of God. And you, you, know, you just shut somebody. You've got to be careful when somebody's giving you the truth that you don't shut them down. And that you don't at least think about what you're hearing. And uh, you, so when somebody does that, it's, it's obvious that they're, they're, they're indoctrinated, they're set in their ways, and they're not changing, and you can't change them. And that whole time that they spent with her, probably was 20 or 30 minutes at least, I don't know, she didn't change one iota of what she believed. And I thought, y'all, I kind of thought, well, y'all kind of wasting your time. You probably just need to go and cut it off, cut her off, and be done which eventually they pretty much did, but they gave her the truth. They gave her the Bible, and she didn't accept it. You see, you can't listen to the gospel, reject it, and think you're going to be okay. I've, I've heard people call, in, call them for years, arguing, trying to argue their one point. And, and, and over and over they would tell them, look, this is what the Bible says. They don't care what the rest of the Word says. They've got this one particular pet doctrine, and this is how too many people live. Let me tell you, if you're going to live for Jesus, you better learn to read it all. You better learn how to accept it all. And, and so the points were, you know, you can't, no, you don't, you don't, you don't lose your salvation when you commit a sin as a Christian. You don't, you don't lose your salvation. You don't. You don't lose it. You can walk away from it. If a Christian, if, if, say, let's say for Mr. Jones right now, you went home tonight and you did something you shouldn't have done. You got, let's say you got angry with her. I know you'd never do that. And say you yelled at her and you said something out loud and you said the wrong word and within an hour you died of a heart attack. Where would you be? He'd be in heaven. Right straight in heaven. What? You don't lose your salvation over an act of sin. And my point is, I know that if that happened, Mr. Jones would be... Lord, honey, I'm sorry. Oh, God, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have said that. But if he didn't have time to do that, let's just say you, you don't have time. Something happens. Where are you going? Your salvation ain't based off of what you do. Your failure It's based off of your faith in Jesus Christ. Now, the person who has a repented heart, when they sin and they know they sin, they ask God to forgive them. They don't take this attitude. It don't matter. I'm saved. I got saved 50 years ago. Well, it don't matter what I do. That is false religion. That's false doctrine. It's wrong teaching. 
And it'll lead you down a path that'll destroy you if you accept that garbage. We don't believe that. We don't teach that. We believe that when you sin, you repent. You ask God to forgive you. But if for some reason you didn't get a chance to and you died, you'd still go straight to heaven not you, because your salvation is based upon your faith in Jesus Christ and what he did at the cross. But it doesn't give you a license to continue in sin. There's a difference. And we all have to understand that. So Paul, I want to go back to verse 5. He said uh, tonight, Colossians 3, Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth. Mortify. You know what that word mortify means? It means to put to death. Crucify them. I mean, get rid of them. There's, there's some things that we as Christians need to lose. There's some things we need to get rid of. There's some things that in our lives that need to be put to death, gotten rid of. All of us have things from time to time that need to go. And we got to understand how they go. Is this monitor on up here? It sounds real loud. If it is, please turn turn it off or something. I sound like I'm in a phone booth up here with a loudspeaker. <laughs> Maybe you don't hear it back there, but it's on it's on me up here. All right, that's. Did you do something? It still sounds a little bit loud, but it's okay. I can't hear anyway. I'm deaf anyway. Just just make everybody else deaf. Everybody else deaf like me. Mortify, <laughs> therefore, your members which are upon the earth. Hello, that sounds, that's okay. Mortify your members which are, look, upon the earth. Members. Members. Hands, eyes, ears. Members of your body. You know, you know this body is what is used to carry out sin. Members. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth. Now, before I go any further with that, let me back up just a little bit to what he said in the beginning of the chapter. He said, if you, therefore, be risen with Christ, then seek those things which are above. If y'all listened last Wednesday, you know what I'm talking about. Seek, if you have, if, if, if indeed you understand that you have been crucified with Christ and a new you has been raised up by the power of God and the Holy Spirit lives in you and is working in you, then seek those things which are above. Now, we're not talking about material things. We're talking about spiritual things. Because the contrast here is, the difference is the things above and the things of the earth. Because... In, in the previous chapter, when he closed it out, he closed it out by telling them, listen, don't be subjecting yourself to ordinances. If you are dead with Christ, don't worry about man-made rules and regulations. Touch not, taste not, handle not, which are all to perish with the using. And the point he was making was, these are carnal things. These are uh, man-made things. Your your victory over sin, and it don't come from anything on this earth. You, you, the members of your body cannot be put to death. Sin cannot be taken out of your life by anything on this earth, but it can from what is above. 
Who, what's above? Jesus Christ, sitting at the right hand of the Father, finished all the work on the cross. And based on our understanding of that, we seek the things that He has done for us. We look to Him. We don't look to a psychiatrist. We don't need a psychologist to deal with our sin issue. We got Jesus Christ. He can break the power of sin. He can break every bondage. Seek those things which are above where Christ sits at the what? The right hand of God. It's finished. So if you need deliverance from sin, if there's, if there's a, a member of your body that is out of control and you need to get it crucified with Christ, seek those things which are above. Seek Jesus where He sits. He's already finished the work. And He said, set your affection on things above. Your affection. On the things above, not on the things of the earth. He said, because you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. That's good. You are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. I brought in Psalm 91 last week to tie in with this. He that dwelleth in the, dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. The secret place is in Christ. We got protection from demon spirits. We got, we got protection from powers of darkness. We're, we're covered by the blood. We got victory over sin. We don't have to worry about inward enemies and outward enemies because Jesus is in control. You are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. Look at the, look at where you are. You're dead. The old man has been crucified. Your life is Hid with who? Christ in God. Like those songs, wrapped up, tied up, tangled all up in Jesus. That's what we are. He said, and so when Christ who is our life shall appear, then shall you appear with him in glory. So when he comes, you'll be ready. Seek those things which are above. So, Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth. Again, the word mortify means to put to death. You and I cannot get rid of sin. You can't get victory over sin in and of yourself. You can't free yourself from sin. It's a matter of understanding who has already done it? Mortify there means put to death. In other, in other words, you got to understand that Jesus' death on the cross is your death. Your death is his, his death. You are, you are united with him in what he did at the cross. And you put your faith in him. And as you do, guess what? The power of the Holy Spirit goes to work in your heart and life, and the things that are not pleasing to God, the Holy Spirit puts to death. He takes them out. He gets rid of things. He gets rid of the... He, gets, he, he, gets, he takes out the old, and He puts in the new. 
That all comes at salvation. Mortify your members. What are some of those things that we need to mortify, Brother Thomas? Let's talk about the first one, fornication. Imagine this. Paul is naming sins, specifically naming them, telling people what they are, that they need to be careful that they don't listen to the wrong doctrine. Because if they do, this will be the result, sin will begin to rule in some area of your life. Fornication refers to sexual sins, lewdness, adultery, all types of immorality in the spiritual, in the natural. Listen, uncleanness. What's that? It's filth in the natural or the physical sense. It's it's moral uncleanness, obscenity. Behavior, you know, the way you behave matters. In church and out of church. In church, on the job. In church, in Walmart. In church, at the Christmas family gathering. In church, wherever you are. Behavior. It it also addresses your language. How you talk. What kind of words you use. I am shocked at some of the words that I hear Christians use. And I'm not talking about baby Christians. I'm talking about some that's been saved for years. Whose language seems to have not changed very much. Now we all got quirks. We use words at time to time. We're a little goofy with words. That ain't really what I'm talking about. But I'm talking about stuff that's, that can be labeled as, in this category, unclean. It's not befitting for a Christian to say it. Language, look, images, uncleanness, images. When I think about images, I think about, I don't think about it, I think about what it represents. The television, the internet, pornography. People that are bound by sins, things they they see. You see, if you don't understand the message of the cross for sanctification, you will be bound by some sin. If you listen to wrong doctrine, if your faith is moved from that which is above what Jesus has done, This is the warning that these sins somewhere, maybe not all, but one somewhere will begin to dominate the Christian. Because remember, we were delivered from these things when we got saved. So that means you got to be careful because just because you were delivered from it doesn't mean you can't go back to some of it. Another one was inordinate affection. That is passion. Lust, a, a longing after something, um, something, violence, uh, impulse. You know, people that are just, they're, they're impulsive. There's a, there's a, but there's a passion, there's a, there's a lust, there's a desire, burning desire out of control. And it doesn't necessarily have to be for something that's bad. It could be for something that's not bad. How many people Covet their neighbor's stuff. Want what somebody else has got. 
burning out of control to have to have the house like somebody else has, the car like somebody, the money burn. I mean, just they're obsessed with, they're driven by it. You and I don't live like that. Christianity is not a competition. I don't care what my neighbor has. I want what God wants for me. And I need to learn to be content with it. It don't matter if my neighbor has five bedrooms and six bathrooms and ten acres out back. I am not to allow what they have influence me to want it and to get out of control with out of control desires wanting what somebody else has. But so many times Christians fall into that. They see what somebody else has. I want that. Well, maybe God doesn't want that for you. Maybe what they have, you can't handle. You know, we all don't don't get the same thing. And that's why you got to be careful that you you don't get jealous of somebody who does have something more than you, who, who may look like they're doing better, and you can't be, and you can't turn your nose up at the one who don't have what you have. That's what inordinate inordinate affection is, passion, lust, a longing after. The next one is evil concupiscence. That is is nothing but flat out evil desires. You mean you're a Christian with evil desires? Yes. When you get away from Jesus Christ, everybody in this room is capable of of committing the most evil of sin that you could ever think of, everybody, any of us. But it refers more so to evil desires. Well, what did Paul say about that in Romans 7? The thing I hate, I do. The evil that I would not, that I don't want to do, I find myself doing it. Why did he find himself doing it? Because... He allowed himself to be taken away from what Jesus did on the cross for his justification and he began to trust in himself. His education, his being filled with the Holy Ghost, speaking in other tongues, and all that stuff is real and it's good, but that's not where your victory over sin comes from. It comes from what Jesus did. And so if it can happen to him, it can happen to anybody. It can happen to any of us because the Bible teaches that it can. So evil concupiscence is, is it's evil desires. The next one is covetousness. That's greed. Talked about a little bit already. Greed, uh, a desire for something, an appetite. We all know what appetite means, don't we? Malachi does. That little boy can eat for a baby. Man, I'm telling you, I ain't talking about Milk, he's off of bottle stuff. He wants spoon stuff. He's like pops. Give me the solid stuff. I want some protein. Give me something to fill me up. Appetite. You know, when you're really, really, real hungry, you can get real grumpy, can't you, if you don't get your food when you want it. You got a lot of Christians, grumpy Christians, spiritual appetites, out of control. They don't get what they want and Out, and, and look, and this stuff happens again because of 
being led the wrong way, listening to the wrong thing. In this church, these Christians that Paul wrote this to, they had once already heard the truth. They had come to salvation through Jesus Christ. They had been born again. He praised them for that. He thanked God for that. But he also got word that they were listening to things that were being brought into the church that they shouldn't be listening to. And if they listened to it, he knew it would take them away from the focus on Jesus. And now they would focus on something else. And when they did, sin would begin to rule in some area of their life. He knew that. We need more preachers who know that. We need more Christians who know that. So that way we can help those who are struggling, those that don't want to be where they are and don't understand why they are. That's what. That's why we have the privilege of knowing the truth here. We can help other people. You don't have to stay in bondage. You don't have to be bound by any sin. Jesus wants to make you free. He said this, covetousness, the last one was idolatry. What's that? A focus on the wrong things. Idolatry. Love the Lord thy God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. The Lord is a jealous God. He doesn't want you holding on to things that that you put before him. Focusing on wrong things. Again, though, focusing on things that can't change your heart and change your life, earthly things, but focusing on Jesus Christ and what he's done. He said in verse 6, For which things sake the wrath of God comes on the children of disobedience. Now, what does that tell us? Everybody in the world who is lost is practicing this stuff every day in some way or the other. They're practicing everything we just went through. In some way or the other, they're living without Jesus. And guess what their end is going to be if they don't repent and let Jesus come in? The wrath of God. Judgment is going to come upon the children of disobedience. Ain't you glad tonight that you've escaped that? Aren't you glad tonight that you're not a child child of disobedience, but you're a child of God? Aren't you glad tonight that you're not going to have to stand and face judgment and be cast into the lake of fire, but you're going to be, you're going to be living in eternity with Jesus Christ forever and ever in heaven because you've made him the Lord of your life and you believe that you ought to live a clean life and you should do everything you can do to walk right before him, to keep your heart right in the sight of God. And because you do, you're on the right path. But you see, the world, they're going to face the wrath of God. But listen to this. In verse 7, it says, In the which you also walked sometime when you lived in them. Everybody in the house tonight? See, you see, we all. Boy, I tell you what, I can go down through this list and probably find myself in about every one of them before I got saved. And a whole lot of other things. How about you? 
Can I get a witness in the house? Yeah, I know I can. Because you weren't born no saint. You were born in sin. And we all walked in them in times past when we lived in them. We lived like this. We didn't care that we ran anybody over. We didn't care if we hurt him. All we cared about was me. I want what I want. I get what I get. If I don't get it, I'll run over everybody. But you see, when you got saved and the Holy Ghost started changing your life, all of a sudden you start thinking a little bit more about others. You kind of start putting yourself to the side a little more and you start thinking about others, others' feelings, others' lives. How many lives did some of us wreck? The lives of others with our sin. Living for the devil. Don't answer. Thank God it's over. Thank God it's forgiven. Thank God it's in the past. And it'll never be brought up again. But you see, we were on a road of destruction. And if you were kind of like me, I didn't care. Rather knock your teeth out than look at you. Some some people. Just the way I was with some people, not everybody. But you didn't care about nobody else. All you did was cause destruction, harm, the alcohol, the drugs, the, 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 the immorality, fornication, all this big list of stuff, the, the covetousness, the desire to get what I want when we lived in them. You see, everybody who's living like that now, If you're watching me and you're practicing this, you ain't going where you think you're going. You better wake up. You better quit listening to a lying preacher tell you that you're okay. Because this is the whole purpose of the cross. To mortify, to put to death these things. To crucify the old man and to bring a, a, to raise a brand new man. Don't sound like once saved, always saved to me. Sounds like warning, judgment, in the which you also walk when you, when you lived in them. Look at this now, verse 8. But now, hey, we talked about the past, but let's talk about now. Let's talk about some more. Anybody else ready to talk about some sins? <laughs> oh, you can't get the church shouting and everybody happy and smiling when you say, let's talk about sins. Uh-uh, but if they say, let's talk about money and wealth and blessing. Oh, yeah, come on, tell me, brother. <laughs> but when I want to talk to you about your immorality, cheating on your wife, gambling, getting drunk, <laughs> doing things you ought not be doing. Oh, you don't want to listen to me. Turn him off. He's being judgmental. The Bible is judgmental. You better hear that. There's a judgment day coming. And if you're living on this earth in sin and you are not repenting, you are going straight to hell. 
And that's blunt, but it's the truth. You ain't going where you think you're going. Somebody has lied to you. But now you also put off all of these. Well, let's start with the next list. Anger. Hmm. Anybody ever been there? <laughs> anger. What's anger? I don't really have to give you a definition of it because most of you know what it is, but I'm going to tell you anyway. Your wife can tell you what it is. Your husband can tell you what it is. Your children can tell you what it is. Your boss can tell you what it is. <laughs> anger, it's a state, as a state of mind to make angry, to provoke, quick-tempered, to be quick-tempered. Boy, that was one I was, I majored in before I come to Jesus. Quick-tempered. And you know what it is? It's the opposite of self-control. What it, What is the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, gentleness, meekness, self-control. It's the total opposite of someone who loses control on a continual basis, on a constant basis. Anger. Just a flip of the switch. And lose it. Quick-tempered. Wrath. What's wrath? It's, it's, it speaks of a, a violent motion or passion of the mind. It's in the soul. It's in the spirit. It, it's a burst of anger. Not somebody that's necessarily just, you know, angry all the time, you know, but a burst of anger. Burst of anger, indignation, anger or annoyance provoked by what is perceived as unfair treatment. You know, somebody does you wrong and you hit them with indignation. Retaliate. You know, that's involved with this wrath thing not necessarily just going out of control going off and doing something shooting somebody killing somebody doing something you shouldn't do real bad but somebody does you wrong and in your heart in your spirit indignation arises and you don't you don't have the means to do it but in your heart you really would just like to wipe them off the map It's got to go. God says these things cannot control his children. We all struggle from time to time with some of these things. We get hit with things. We get tested with things. That ain't what I'm talking about. I'm talking about somebody who lives like this. In this state of being. There's no change. There's somebody that is continually doing these things. Malice is the next one. What's that? It's wickedness as an evil habit of the mind. Not only doing evil, but being evil. 
It can't live in the heart of the Christian. It has to go. Because if it doesn't go, that person will go downhill. That person will go further and further away from God. If these sins are not dealt with in the life of a Christian, the Christian will go further and further away from God. Then they'll find themselves doing even worse things. And there's only one way out of it. It's through Jesus, by the blood, by what he did at the cross. It's the only way out of it. It's the only way to see these things turned around, the only way to see these things taken out of us. Blasphemy, blasphemy, what's that? It's verbal abuse against someone which denotes the very worst type of slander or evil speaking and backbiting. Mm. Verbal abuse. You know, you don't have to slap somebody or hit somebody with something to abuse them. There's a bunch of Christians. I know some of them on two Facebook. Got a tongue that'll reach from here to Kentucky. Slanders. People that try to malign the character of a godly preacher, of another person that God is using. They abuse people. They, they try to ruin their character. And then you also have Christians. Here we go. Let's talk about some of them supposed to be Christian husbands that verbally abuse their wives all the time who think that they're some kind of dictator, who think that the woman needs to bow down on the knee to them my friend, you got the wrong spirit. That ain't the way God created in Adam and Eve. God took Eve out of Adam's side to walk alongside, to help with and be with him. He didn't put her under his feet to stomp on her. And the only way that any man can be a real man of God and be what he, what God wants him to be and to love his wife and to love his children the way God intended is to get up on the cross and die with Jesus Christ until you do. You ain't no man. We gotta die first. We gotta let Jesus crucify us first, don't we men? So we can be what we need to be to our wives, to our children and our families. got a bunch of verbal abusers in the church. Not just in marriage, in families, with family, I mean, on the job. Want to give somebody a tongue licking. But you see, what that means is there's something out of control in here. There's something out of control in here. And again, the only way it can be fixed... It's through the blood. The only way it can be subdued is by the power of God. Boy, I tell you what. The power of God can crucify some stuff. The power of God can rid you of some stuff. The power of God can break that bondage that the devil is trying to use to dominate you, but he's only going to do it as you surrender to Jesus Christ. That's it. That's what blasphemy means. What's the last one? Here it is. 
No, I'm not finished with blasphemy. Let me go back to this. Let me read the end of this again. It, let me read it again. Verbal abuse against someone which denotes the very worst type of slander and evil speaking and backbiting. I'm going to say it again for some of you watching. You know who you are. You like to get on social media, and you think you're the only few little people that know the message of the cross, and you try to malign Brother Swagger and tear down their ministry and everybody associated with them and say they don't preach the cross and all the bunch of lies that y'all are telling because you're deceived. You're a backbiter. Your tongue is being used by the devil. Your sin nature is ruling you. You do not know the message of the cross. You are deceived. Because you cannot malign and backbite and try to destroy a man of God that God is using and think you're okay. You can't, you, and the reason why they do it, they try to malign his character because you're jealous, really. You know you are, you're jealous. You don't have what he has, you can't have it. You like to have it, so you gotta tear him down and try to make yourself look good. People don't want that garbage. Ain't nobody going to follow you. Ain't nobody going to listen. You might get one here and there, but people are not going to listen to that garbage. If you pay attention, folks, you can tell what's going on with people. Anytime somebody is always harping on somebody else all the time continually and they're doing everything they can to try to ridicule them, that tells you something is wrong with that person. It's evil speaking, backbiting, slander, trying to ruin a person's reputation so that people won't listen to them. Filthy communication. Here's the last one. Filthy communication. What's that? To be foul-mouthed. <laughs> foul-mouthed. Hey, foul-mouthed. Anybody ever heard that term? Yo, foul mouth. I think Esther used to tell old friend Fred Sanford that. Your foul mouth, fish eyed fool. <laughs> Nothing clean out of your mouth. Always dirty, always nasty. It, it refers to filth, filthy, improper, vile conversations, dirty jokes. The way you talk about people, the, the, the way, what you say about people, the words you use. When you come to Jesus Christ, do you know that your vocabulary begins to change? The way that you used to talk. Now, as you use some of those words, the Holy Spirit says, eh. you don't talk like that. Eh, that's not a good word for you. Eh, don't say that. Well, everybody else is saying it. Eh, that's the problem. Just because everybody else is saying it don't mean it's right. Filthy communication, foul mouth, filthy, improper, vile conversations. But when you get saved and give your life to Jesus Christ... And, you know, everything, I, I want to make sure I make this plain. When you get saved, you're a brand new creation in Jesus Christ. You're as saved as you're ever going to be at that moment. Everything don't change overnight. It don't. 
it's going to take time for some things. The Holy Spirit is going to go to work. The work can't start till you get saved. And then all that stuff that's been put in you, all those years you've been lost, the garbage, here it goes, little by little, stuff's leaving. As you stay on the right path, you don't become perfect. You're, 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 you're perfect in Christ Jesus, but you're not perfect in and of yourself. And so now you're in the process for the Holy Spirit, as they said years ago, the Holy Spirit dump truck to come driving in and hauling stuff out. And it takes time. And if we stay in the process, if we keep our faith in what Jesus has done for us, then the Holy Spirit, He continues the work. And some of the stuff that you were saying six months ago, you stop. Some of the things you were doing a year or so ago, you stop. Some of the things that you thought were okay, whenever all of a sudden the Holy Spirit says, eh, Thomas didn't tell you to stop it. The Holy Spirit said it. Thomas didn't tell you don't go there because Thomas don't follow everybody around telling them where they can and can't go. I'm not God and I don't want to be God. I ain't the Holy Spirit. I can't be everywhere all the time, but he can. And I don't have no desire to follow you around. I have no desire to care. I don't care what you're doing. I ain't following you. I ain't going. That ain't my job. That's the Holy Spirit's job. He can do what no man can do. Our job is to give you the word. I pray to God that you take it, that you let it get sown into your heart, that you let it bring forth fruit, that you go out applying what you're hearing. And if you do, praise God, the Spirit of God's going to be working in you. And He's going to be with you when you're at Walmart. He's going to be with you when you're in the middle of trouble. He's going to be with you in the middle of a divorce. He's going to be with you in the middle of financial problems. He's going to be with you. And He's going to show you what to do. He'll tell you what to do. He'll guide you in what you need to do. And as preachers, that we have to learn how to back up from people. Give them the truth. I don't want to play God in your life. I got to have the same one I'm telling you about. I got to have the same Holy Spirit that I'm telling you about. I got to have His help. I don't call everybody from church and say, what do you think about this or this or this? What do you think I should do? I don't know what. No. What does the Lord want? Find out what God says. Find out what His Word says. There's people you don't know if you should be hanging around. Get on your knees and be honest and open. And, and don't be so concerned so much about a friendship, but find out what God wants. Lord, is this person good for me? Should I be having, should I be friends with them? Should I do business with them? Should I, you got to be careful who you get involved with. You can't yoke yourself up with somebody going in the wrong direction. Be not unequally yoked together, the Bible says, with unbelievers. For what fellowship has light with darkness. What fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness. The devil that darkness and light can't dwell together and you, child of God, can't be walking with those that are going the wrong direction because they're going to take you toward the darkness. So you got to learn the difference. So if we understand what Paul has 
is teaching here, then we can understand how these things are put off. Notice he said, put off all these. Put them off. Let the Holy Spirit get rid of them. Let him crucify that old man. And let him have his way in your heart and life. And as you do, things will drop off. And they'll keep dropping off. And they'll keep dropping off. How long are they going to be dropping off till you die? Until the trumpet sounds, till the rapture comes? Things are going to be dropping off. You ain't perfect. I can talk to your wife and she'll tell me. You ain't perfect. We can talk to the kids. They'll tell us. You got, we got to stay in the process and we cannot be led astray. If you listen to false teaching, that's where you're going. Flesh. Sin. Bondage. But if you follow the truth, Jesus will keep you free. Amen. Stand to your feet tonight. I hope you've been blessed. Glad to see everybody again again in church tonight. Sunday morning. Come back. Won't be any snow. Forecast says 60-something degrees. A couple of days, just a little bit of rain. But I'd rather have that than a bunch of snow and cold. Those of you watching, hope to see you Sunday morning. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. We thank you, Lord, for the power of your spirit. We thank you for truth. We thank you for doctrine, Lord, that is biblical and is right. Lord, I ask in Jesus' name, Lord, that you would bless us tonight as we leave out of here, that you would protect us. Lord, all those that are watching that couldn't make it, Lord, those that are sick, I ask you to touch them, to heal them, touch them, speak to them. Be their comforter, Lord, and be right by their side no matter what they're dealing with, God. And we give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless everybody. See you. We hope you were blessed by the live service from Family Worship Center in Athens, Tennessee. Our weekly services are Sunday at 10.30 a.m., Sunday at 5.30 p.m., and Wednesday evening at 6.30 p.m. Watch us live online at www.fwc-tn.com. You can also check us out on Facebook or YouTube. Family Worship Center is located at 250 County Road 378 in Athens, Tennessee. Send all correspondence to Family Worship Center, P.O. Box 118, Athens, Tennessee 37303. For more information, you can call the church at 423 744-0774.